0: Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Hearing in Colour with Matt Simon. Today we're going to do a deep dive on the songwriting of the song Potential. This is the big one, this is pretty crazy, it's extremely progressive, it's 8 minutes and 29 seconds. Um, There's a time and a place for all the widdly widdly guitar parts and what I did was save up all the time and the places and stuck them all together. As usual you can hear the song in its entirety first, then I'll deep dive into all the details. (laughs) i yeah. Quite a rollercoaster that one, over eight minutes of madness. So the inspiration for this, uh, I was thinking potential, this is the talking about the spiritual potential of humanity, so if everyone puts aside the differences and some religious dogmas and we work together how much more evolved could we be on a spiritual level and just as a species? There's also a cheeky little nod which is kind of showcasing our abilities as musicians and saying well this is a potential we have as well. There's also a video up on YouTube called Epic Guitar Time. I don't know if you remember a YouTube channel called Epic Meal Time where they make these crazy meals with like 60 burgers in and they'd have calorie counters so you'd see how many calories come in, how many grams of fat and protein, all these kind of things. So for a couple of the last minutes of the song where the guitars are just absolutely blitzing it, put this together and then did a playthrough video and then kept a track of how many notes and how many key changes and things. So that's quite fun if you can find that on YouTube. We never played this song live because it's... it's really really difficult to remember all the parts and to learn them all but also uh, eight minutes long that's quite a long chunk of a set for a younger band if we're playing 30 45 minutes for a set eight minutes of that for one song is quite a lot it would have been extremely impressive to show it off but you'd have to have the right audience and if they're not going in for it you've kind of wasted quite a big chunk of time the name Indigo is a combination of two words there's indigo and ghost when I was writing this song, I was at guitar college, and it just left. And I was basically going through like a spiritual awakening and reading lots of books, like um, some David Icke books are quite interesting. like Even all the lizard people, and then the theosophy books, so like books about the astral plane and astral meditation, astral projection. So that's when you meditate, and then <clears throat> ideally project your consciousness out of your body into another dimension. That's quite interesting. Um, I had lots of experiences about this kind of thing and was learning about all these cool things. So a lot of the imagery in the song is related to these spiritual things. So the intro starts off with this quite dark and gloomy riff and originally I had conceived this for the 1984 song Ever, but eventually went for something else and then used this which grew into this epic monster of a song. First chords are B minor, E minor, G and then C sharp minus 7 flat 5 which is an unusual one and especially an unusual one to end a chord progression on but I wanted to give quite a dissonant awkward feel to start with. I like to combine different textures as well so we've got those chunky riffs underneath the big chords and then using a clean sound on top just to pick out some arpeggios to give again a bit more dissonant awkward, bleak um, landscape, essentially, to start with. So that part of the song is set around a count of six instead of the usual four, which gives the bars a little bit more breadth and makes it sound a little bit bigger. The next one is mental. It's split into... (laughs) 1316 is the time signature, so it's deliberately very, very awkward, and I wanted something extremely jarring. Even if you use very odd groups of numbers, by adding them together, eventually they'll create around uh, a whole number, and the pulse will feel, or feel like something has come back again, like a structure. So two options you can use is either just keep it going, and then eventually two odds will make an even, or you can put an even number on the end of it, just to give a little kick so everything finishes properly and then starts again. So what I did with this, I um, had bars of 13 in a count and then a 14 at the end, just to sort of round things off and then give it like a, a sense of completion, at least for that small chunk. Some of these odd time signatures you can count, and I'll demonstrate here with Never, this one's in 5, but the pulses are slower so it's easier. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. For this riff in potential, the divisions are much smaller and faster, and it's just ridiculous. I'll demonstrate to show what it's like, but these kind of things, you just have to play it by feel, and eventually all time signatures, the odd ones, you absorb them, so they do become as easy as uh, regular ones, but this... The way I did this so I played the notes on the rhythm guitar and then waited for the gaps where the snare drum would come in and I think Martin on drums was doing the opposite. So you get there but it's, it's fun, it was very difficult but the whole point is it needs to be like really awkward and really weird but it's cool that we got it eventually. So here's the count and obviously you'd never do this. I changed the last one from a 14 to a 7 to make it slightly easier. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, Ridiculous. Another way you could possibly do it is by counting the 13 as a 6 and a half, so you're shortening the 7th beat. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, so that is not done for obvious reasons. Let's take a look at the lyrics. First verse, roses in your hands but you'll never see them. So this is a reference to chakras because you have the main ones uh, down the center of your body but there are also other ones on the palm of your hands, on your feet and other joints of the body. The chakras and the energy system are similar to the ley lines on well around the planet. The Apparently the planet does have chakras as well, so where these ley lines cross, they create um, a junction, essentially, and the big ones, they create these energy sites. Apparently two of the planet's chakras are Stonehenge and Jerusalem. Interesting, Jerusalem is the heart, and that's why a lot of people have been fighting over it, even if they don't quite know why. Apparently the civilizations and nations that have held Jerusalem have been very powerful in the past. I was also reading that countries have their own chakras as well, although it's... No way to verify this. Apparently when Princess Diana died, um, the UK, the heart chakra of the country, or maybe that was a collective thing, um, opened up because British people can be very, um, not emotionally repressed, but stiff upper lip and less quick to express their emotions, unless of course they're drunk. Every one of us is a king with a crown, Well, the top chakra is called the crown chakra. I think the crown, the shape of it, does represent the crown chakra, so it's like the rays of energy coming out from the top of the head. Secrets of us all, astral vision will reveal. So again, if you're able to perceive these energy forms, you can see these things. Straight out of the mind, to desire is to have. So this means once you understand how the universe and the energy works, if you can imagine something, then the energy forms can bend to your will. Awaken from the dream, as above and so below. So awaken from the dream, by that I mean just more knowledge, basically just being awakened. As above and so below. So ancient civilizations, including the Egyptians, looked up at the stars and saw that as perfection and then tried to model it. I'll talk about sacred geometry in another episode, but they look at the ratios of things, like distances between the stars, and then think, well that's the perfect and divine ratio. And then design layouts for buildings and streets and things in those ratios to make them hopefully as perfect as things up in the heavens. Every level here, the outside mirrors that within. So every level, meaning on every single dimension, the outer world is a reflection of your inner world, like your thoughts, your energies, or your desires, everything there is influencing things around you. In the deep dive or never, I mentioned that even though that is an odd time signature, the vocal melody was quite simple, the rhythm of the words. So for this one, I just went all out. I was like, right, it's got to be cool. It doesn't matter if it's impossible to play. And it was impossible for me to play to start with. So I got this extremely angular disjointed riff and then I just had the vocals floating over the top. So I thought what would be the best is if you maybe had a separate guitar player and a singer, then the singer would not be constrained by any of the guitarists' rhythms or anything. He just like put his own thing over the top and it would eventually be a better result. So I just ignored the fact that those I had to play guitar on it for a while, wrote a vocal line on the top and then just forced myself to learn it, which was extremely difficult, but got there in the end and and justify as a means. Yeah, some quite intense riffing and playing there. So for the next section I wanted to open this up and give a bit more movement like a machine's coming to life. Then next set of lyrics. The pitch is broken into a thousand pieces, so take off the blindfold and put it back together. So here I'm talking about how spiritual knowledge has been lost and suppressed over the years. So take off the blindfold and put it back together. So look around, find all these bits of information from many different sources, and then you're putting back together this picture of how things are. And the riff behind this, a bit more grinding, but it's got more movement, a bit more momentum.
1: The picture's broken into a thousand pieces.
0: So the chorus now has a completely different feel, it opens out a lot more space and this is referencing astral projection. So this is when, if you can get it right, or if you believe this can be done, you meditate down and so then your energy spirit form can detach from the physical body and then you shift your awareness from the physical dimension into the astral dimension. Uh, And this is safe to do because you're still connected to the body by the silver thread when this is severed death occurs and uh, maybe this is where the Grim Reaper myth comes from. I read quite a lot of books on how to do this and got some meditation tapes and either it's true or you're just imagining it but it was a very interesting experience to do this. Some methods for sort of literally getting out of your body would be to meditate and then you would keep very still so then you're switching awareness more into your energy rather than your body and hoping your body starts to go to sleep a little bit and then one source said you'll feel uh, sort of tingling and then eventually this energy will come, it will build and it feels like your whole body's made of lemonade and then you just start to drift off. One source said um, when you're meditating down try and just roll out of your body like you're just rolling out of the bed. Um, other places said um, that it's like you're falling backwards. So in the lyrics I've got energy surge, arise as if in a dream and Another theory is that when you sleep, you do ast- actually astral project into the dream world, the astral plane. Fall through a black curtain and into the light. Another source said, yeah, it's like falling backwards out of your body and there's an initial blackness and then you see everything in lights." Other sources have said, like, this doesn't exist, it's all just hallucination, but it's a cool idea. And, um, yeah, lots of people have got into it. There's I uh, was part of some forums and message boards ages ago. And to test this, what some people would do would say they'd message each other on the message boards and then say, "Right, I'm going to meet you in the astral plane at this time," or they'd coordinate time physically and then try to meet people, but you wouldn't have seen what they were like in person. So if you can then meet them in this meditation area, the astral plane, and then check, "Oh yeah, so I met some guy and he was there with like with dreads and a red hat." I'm like, "Oh yeah," and you touch the lizard and it takes you to this place. It was an interesting way to possibly verify what would be a shared experience, and it'd be hard to explain how you could have communicated in another way. Time for a quick ad. Do you like free money? Who doesn't? Sign up today for a free crypto.com debit card, and you and I get twenty-five dollars each. Also, you get between one and eight percent cashback in crypto. Link in the show notes. I'm going to get a little bit technical here, but I did say it's going to be a deep dive, and this does explain some of the thoughts behind the process. So a normal major scale, here in E, sounds like this. If you change one of those notes, it becomes a Lydian scale. I think, well, how can one note change the whole feel of the sound? Well, it does because it alters the chords later on in the sequence. So from here kind of sound, it's a lifted, it's got a bit of suspense, um, some people call this, or refer to it as that like slightly sparkly, shimmery kind of feel, so these notes that you can't normally get using the major scale. I've got a key change here, so the chorus is now in G, but if I'd use the normal G major scale, these chords, G major, P minor, then the next one in the C pattern would have been C, and then the F sharp. Sounds a little bit weird, a little bit dark, but if I change this, just shift one note to make the C major, or the C note, a C sharp, and i now get this Lydian scale, and the chords alter in the sequence, so I I can use this. So the pattern changes, so I can now have a G major, an E-6, which has a slightly drifty sound, and then this dark... C sharp minus seven flat 5 shimmers a bit, and then the F sharp sus, minus sus, again got a shimmery sound, so these notes wouldn't normally be available in the previous scale, but just by shifting one thing it makes the whole thing shimmer and sparkle a bit more. With my synesthesia for this, this is really colourful for me, so I'm seeing with the G there's blues and greens in there, the E's got some yellow. And there's lots of space in this, so I'm seeing a forest. (laughs) But it's not really like a European forest or North American, like with big redwoods or evergreens. This is more bamboo, like kind of like Asian forests. The tempo of the song hasn't actually changed in this, but I'm using the different movement of the riffs and then opening up the texture to give the changes. And this Asian forest kind of scene is extremely colourful for me. And this chord here, this sus chord, so this is F-sharp minus sus, or an A-sus, that has a kind of red flavour to me, so lots of colours in there, really nice. So here's that riff, and it happens to be an 18, but it's just how it came about. Now I could have written it straight and the chord would have sounded nice, but the rhythm wasn't too interesting to me. So straight would have been like this, or if I wanted an extra little nudge on the end of it, it sounded like this. So from the autumnal colours of that riff, we're now into the concrete grey of D minor. The rhythm section's got a bit more kick now, and the flavour I'm using is what's known as the Dorian scale. A normal D minor scale has this standard, quite dark, sad sound, which is fine, it works a lot. It's a very recognisable sound in pop and rock music, but if we want to sound a bit more soft and jazzy, we'll change B flat to a B, and it gives that slightly softer, more drifty feel. Here it is on the track. So still kind of in chill mode, but things are starting to pick up now. The solos are coming thick and fast. I'm going to step up now by using the Phrygian dominant Scale. So to my British ears, that sounds quite exotic and interesting. And it's often used in heavy metal as well. It's got quite a cool sound. So the intent of the next section is to really like ramp things up. We're going to get quite aggressive and like really dig into the soloing. But first we need to transition into that section. And is there a way that we can do that and scharf at the same time? Yes, there is. So this transition was built around a legato exercise that was given to me by my guitar teacher. Legato generally means smooth and broad. And in guitar playing, it's a specific technique where you try and sound as smooth as possible without using the pick. So picking sounds like this, using the plectrum. And legato sounds like this. Now because you're only using one hand for this legato technique, you can do two of them at the same time. So what we did was we'd have one person do one, second person does the second one, and then first person does part number three, second person does part number four as well. So we've got it sounds like four guitars playing just to really show off. I can hear this build up before it kicks into the next groove. These little guitar lines look to me like lots of rows of dots, so maybe a string of pearls or a glowing caterpillar on a shelf are like these little lines of dots that are moving around. Also sounds like little bugs or things crawling around. I wanted this weird flashy transition and the next section to just slam in like a train. The riff's really stabby and aggressive and I wanted the solo to be really swaggering. This is also one of my favourite solos, got some really cool lines in it but it's very difficult, especially the run at the end, I had to practice that quite a lot. (laughs) Just a few words on the solo before I play that. The transition, sounding mad, all these, these notes, and then the solo comes in, bam, like a train. But I really wanted to take my time building it up. I wanted to swagger, really wrench the notes and use a whammy bar. Like, get all these like big, crazy sounds on. And then take my time building it because it's got a lot of confidence. And if you jump in straight away, it loses a bit of impact. You haven't really got anywhere to go. And I also knew the next couple of minutes of the song are going to be absolutely mental. So taking the time, building it up, and then at the end, there's this lick, which is really difficult to play, but sounds really crazy. Just because I wanted the, just the effect rather than the actual notes itself. I hope you agree that this solo is pretty badass. Transition there at the end of the solo. So a harmonized run some nice fast notes because why not? Let's keep it going. More notes, more notes. I'm starting to just throw the kitchen sink at all this, but I like to feel that all the harmonies are very well worked out and the sections, even though they're quite different and don't seem to be jammed together, it seems to flow. So this next section is an A minor and the phrasing is broken up into seven 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 six. So it's counted ba 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 ba, ba, ba. These are some of my favourite harmonies in the song. It just sounds cool. There's three guitar parts in this section and one of them goes up the octave later on. I wanted a web of sound kind of effects like the harmonies in the middle of Burn. <laughs> So that was an A minor, which for me is a nice red colour. The next section is a kind of pseudo-baroque, classical-ish type section in B-flat minor, which has a dark green flavour for me. And the arpeggios have a lot of space in between them, so it's a nice change of texture and a mini breather before things pick up again. Now picking things up, the next section is in B minor, which is a slightly lighter green for me than the B flat, and these twin harmonies were very difficult to play. This section and the next one were so difficult to play that I had to practice so much that my technique to my ears was noticeably improved from the earlier parts of the song, so I had to go back and re-record early parts of the song to make it in line sonically with the rest of it. This part accelerates as well, so it makes it even more difficult to play. So now we're running at full warp speed. There's harmonized lines and arpeggios like the previous section, but this is just sustained crazy speed. Another key change, taking it up to E flat minor now. And by this stage, you can't even really hear what the notes are, what the scales are, but that's kind of the point. I just wanted to have this kind of bloop, bloop, bloop sound. Although when I was recording, I did play all the notes precisely. This is madness, but time and a place. It does sound maybe like you're being chased by shrieking demons. <laughs> to me, some of those notes sound like streaming water, so if you imagine something going very fast through the water and the bubbles on the side, that's kind of what I'm thinking. There's a final little rift to come before we can break through the surface and take a big gulp of air. This is based around alternate counts of seven and six, so the rhythm is... Listening back to this, I can hear I put another guitar part on the top which is going bloop, 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 because why not chuck more in? And breathe. Back into a chorus and some more guitar lines going on in the background. Some excellent drumming by Martin on the end of that and just the whole way through the track. Especially that last bit, we're just bringing in more and more on the part to make it a bit busier so you can hear that the next section's coming i chucked in a few more backing vocals over the last chorus and there's some lead lines going along and then a final solo right at the end because why not? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's quite an epic song there. It's designed to be a bit crazy and just put all the stuff in there but yeah, there's a lot going on in there but I'm quite happy with how it turned out and the transitions, I don't feel they're jarring. I feel that they they flow smoothly and that's something I'm quite proud of in my writing that I can get different sections together and adjust the music, transition it and have it done smoothly and in a way that's sometimes not noticeable, sometimes very noticeable, but has the desired effect when it's done. So thanks for listening. That was pretty mental. The next song will be Torn, which is a standalone song and it's written about Doctor Who. And you've already heard part of the song because that's the intro and outro music of this podcast. You can find us, Hearing in Colour, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where you can find pictures and links. If you'd like to earn money with no effort at all, simply by having your phone on, the data's being sold around the world anyway, and the Tapestry app helps you take a cut. Link in the show notes.